Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mathur. In each episode, I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romance films, from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Adriana Gomez-Weston. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Very, I'm really excited to talk about this, uh, talk about this movie with you. Uh, would you like to introduce it for us today? All right. So this movie is one I'm very excited about talking about. Um, it is The Great Gatsby, the 2013 version. Um, I, um, growing up um, when I was in high school, um, The Great Gatsby is one of the few books I really I enjoyed reading that we were forced to read. Yeah. <laughs> so I was really excited when the 2013 version came out. I did like the 1974 one, but I've always been a huge fan of Baz Luhrmann, like uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, Moulin Rouge. So when that movie was announced, I was so excited about it. And I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about it, but I really love it. And I think it fits more of like the whimsy and like the roaring 20s vibe that I feel in my mind, I feel that the book tries to convey. So I really love like the imagery. And even though it is kind of a depressing book, I think there's a lot to talk about. In yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about it today. Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoy this movie as well. Um, you know, I'm also a big fan of uh, Baz Luhrmann. You know, Romeo plus Juliet, Moulin Rouge. I mean, those are movies that I watched like a lot. You know, when I was in high school and and older. And uh, so, uh, similar to you, when he uh, when he announced that he was doing Great Gatsby, I was really excited because Great Gatsby was a book that I read in high school. Like I feel like everyone else in the country. So. Um, so I feel like it was, uh, I, I enjoyed the book a lot, and so I was just excited to see what he would do with it, having been a fan of his style, you know, for so long. Um, but so do you remember the first time you saw Great Gatsby, and like, what were your expectations going in, and what was your reaction after? I'm trying to remember. I didn't see it in a theater. I, I think I didn't get to see it until like way later. Because uh-huh. I remember hoping my parents would take me because I was still, I think, at home at the time, but it never happened. So I think I had to wait until it came on like video or streaming so I could watch it. Yeah. So I, unfortunately, I didn't get the theatrical experience that I think would have given it more justice. But I remember I was seeing I really loved it. I enjoyed it so much. I just love the imagery, um, like just the just like how like the scenes from the book pop out on the page like the colors i'm a huge fan of costume design yeah so like i fell in love with like the costume work and everything and then i um which was done by katherine martin sorry to remember and she did get some help from um, Luigia prada so i thought that was a, a big thing for that was a big deal for me like seeing that on screen too yeah but yeah 
beautiful. And then, like, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio. You have Elizabeth Debicki, Tobey Maguire, um, Isla Fisher, like a mate. Um, and then Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. <laughs> so who's, like, really on fire right now. So, yeah, all those people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting to think about this cast uh, because um, I feel like... Uh, like Elizabeth Debicki is someone. I mean, she kind of really exploded over the last couple of years, you know, with um, Widows and you know, Guards of the Galaxy Volume Two and a bunch of her other projects. And uh, but it's so amazing to think like this was a uh, this was I think the first movie that I, I remember seeing her in. And maybe she had done stuff before. I don't remember, but yeah, this is the first time for me too that I remember. Yeah, and I just remember thinking like, who is this like giant <laughs> commanding woman who is so like has such a uh, fascinating um, like aesthetic and vibe to her. I mean, she's such a I think she's a very interesting actress and um, it's so great that like Baz Luhrmann was able to capture that in her first kind of major role. Um, and of course, you know, Carrie Mulligan, um, you know, she, yeah, I mean, she's like really big now, I think, of course, with, you know, her Oscar nomination with Promising Young Woman, but I think even like I think she was the one person I was really excited to see because this was like right in the middle of her like really big rise, like after she had done movies like Shame and, and Education and Never Let Me Go. And um, so I was really excited to to see her in this kind of like kind of big, splashy, you know, like very exciting kind of adaptation. And Leonardo DiCaprio, of course, like 2013 is a big year for him. He does this and Wolf of Wall Street. So like I just like I mean everyone in this cast is so is so, they're such fascinating characters uh, and actors playing them. Um, so you know what is it about the um, about the book about the story that really speaks to you or that you really appreciate? Um, I really like it's I guess take on the American dream. Mm-hmm. So I like how it really. I guess I always love like the twenties or reading about the twenties. So I really like how it talks about a man who comes here. It's like Bill. Well, he, he was from here, but he um, tried to build a new life for himself and, yeah. like, and ultimately didn't work out for him, unfortunately. But yeah, it shows that, yeah, you can like become someone else and like, but also I guess it shows the fickleness of like human nature. And then even if you try to be someone else, some people might try to peg you as something because like Jay Gatsby, he's a poor man and that's, they still see him although he does all these things. Like yeah. he tries to make himself to be like a proper like gentleman or like old money guy. Um, he doesn't work and then he throws these parties and then in the end, nobody shows up to his funeral almost. And like it shows like it's just, like like I said earlier, it's very dep- kind of depressing. I mean, I'm not saying I like that it's depressing, but I like how it really talks about probably those sadder aspects of humanity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's um, yeah. I, I think you're you're really you're you're really uh, onto something because like I th- like I think this movie is uh, or I mean the story you know the, whatever the, this whole you know the the story the movie the novel. It's so it's it's so fascinating in its sort of uh, take on the American dream and how much there, um, you know, this like America is like the land of opportunity and there's no class system here. But then the reality is that there's still a class system. I mean, even someone like Nick, who is obscenely wealthy by norm- normal standards, is still seen as like 
lesser than and, um, you know, a tag along to these people who are just, it's like, no matter, it's like, they're still higher on the ladder. And, you know, and Jay Gatsby is someone, as you're saying, who is, yeah, like, has all the demeanor of someone from a high society, old money, but because of his like birth and the way he gets his money, he's always going to be looked down on. And it's always going to be something that is carried with him. And so, and it like this, I think this story does a really, is a really fascinating take on how much, um, you know, upward mobility in America is kind of a lie, even for these like uber privileged white people <laughs> who like have everything they could ever want, but they still want more and they're still blocked by that. So, yeah, I think it's a really good uh, take on the story. Yeah, because there's something I noticed in my latest watch that I didn't remember that um, Tom Buchanan does say a lot of like, like white supremacists. Yeah, like, yeah. He talks about reading this book. Of, I can't remember what it was called. He was saying he was reading, but he says, "Oh, the was it the Colored Kingdom?" I can't I have to look at. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and he was saying, you know, we have to stop those people from like rising up. You know, we as the majority. So he and then Daisy's just sitting there, like, oh yes, we can't let them do that. And then I didn't notice that before, but I was listening. I was like, oh man, like that's yeah. pretty. Uh, have, like they were a whole racist. I mean, of course that they always exist, but uh, like just to hear that in the dialogue right there, the movie, and not notice that before, but notice yeah. that. Oh man. Well, it's especially fascinating because like Tom in the hotel, he is like once we start marrying in between classes, then uh there's going to be marriage between like um uh I think he's like uh between like black and white or something. And like I I, I agree with you and totally, I I always seem to forget that like, the sort of the race element in this in this movie um or in the story because um it just I I just forget about it. And so when he when he says that and when he's reading the book and you know and you know Daisy is sort of non committal about you know arguing with him or he's just is or she's just kind of like on just kind of following along what he's saying. It's like it's always such a like stark reminder of um that you know these characters in this time period were totally racist and bad people who are selfish and you, I feel like with this movie, like especially with this adaptation of it, because it's so colorful and vibrant, and you know you have the the Jay Z soundtrack, and you have all this like you know it looks so pretty that you kind of forget that like well it's easy to get swept away in that and forget that there's like a like a rotting core within these characters and that they all have these like um, you know they're as much as they're trying to be so like high society there's still something so like depraved and deranged about them yeah um but yeah i mean what um uh what do you what do you make of the uh the like the look of the film and the um i mean i know you earlier you mentioned the costumes and and the the look of the film uh, I really love it. Like, I think it really captures like that almost magical feel that the book has. And yeah. I really, and they do like the superimposed, um, like the writing and like the uh, letters over the screen. Sometimes when like Nick is doing his writing and like telling yeah. his story, 
I really like that aspect. But yeah, I think sometimes the CGI is a little odd sometimes. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like in the beginning where they, they show him in the sanatorium. But yeah, overall, it's very beautiful. I think it's just like, yeah, it's like... I don't know, like, I love, like, these, I didn't look up all of this, like, the, like, like you know, like, the production design. I only know, like, the costume design. Yeah. I just thought overall it was, like, a beautiful film, and especially those huge party scenes. You have all this, like, the cinematography is amazing. I just think it's so gorgeous, and it's, like, pretty, like you said earlier, it's pretty to look at, and sometimes you forget what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But, like, because it's just pretty to look at, but I know yeah. it's, like, but I remember it was heat like white when it came out. It was a big deal because all these like I think, yeah, I think Prada did actually might might have put out like a collection inspired by mm-hmm. it, and then other people were doing like like collections and stuff inspired by the movie because it was that big of a deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I certainly uh, I I remember that as well. I I think and like I remember this like. This is one of those movies that I got that got called like, oh, it's all style, but there's really no substance to it, or it's all it's so glamorous, but it's kind of empty. And uh, I think that like movies that look like this that have a very like specific style to them and have a very like um, kind of vibrant, you know, over the top kind of look, I feel like they get um, people say that there's it's too flashy or not and just too hollow but i actually think the like look of the film is um really like you couldn't really make this movie without that you that's that's a part of the the package for me because it should show i mean like we were saying you know it's so easy to get wrapped up in it but that's the whole thing of the story right is that like these people get so wrapped up in you know the glamour of their lives that they kind of forget sort of like humanity they forget you know affection for each other and um it's all about you know how much money they have and how much they can show off um yeah um i i i didn't want to talk about the soundtrack of the movie because like when i was looking at reviews of the film on like letterboxd and on you know the older reviews a lot of them were saying that the music uh, was out of place, um, and that, you know, by having a, it's, like, almost too much to have the, uh, kind of, like, R&B, hip-hop music, like, soundtrack, and Lana Del Rey, and Beyonce, and all those people, um, what, what do you, what do you make of that? Mm, I think, as a standalone, the soundtrack is pretty good, and, like, all those artists, like, Beyonce, Lana Del Rey, Jay-Z, I love them. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. they were kind of in out of place in the movie itself, especially during that one scene where they go to the speakeasy or the barber shop. You have, you hear just Jay-Z going, uh, uh, yeah. uh And it kind of takes away from the scene. It's, like, kind of distracting almost yeah. at points. Um, yeah, and I think they could have done, it would have been a lot better maybe if they'd done more, like, classical type music or just jazz from that era but the soundtrack separately by itself is pretty good like oh not inside the movie yeah yeah i think um i don't know i actually kind of like the 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 music within the movie um you know so i you know i'm a i'm a big beyonce fan and you know i you know i really um, have enjoyed kind of parsing through her relationship to Jay-Z and sort of their public image and like how little they talk about their personal lives, but they actually put it through their music, you know, like uh, Lemonade, of course, and their um, uh, their uh, 
their their like collaborative album and stuff. And um, I can see why like Jay Z wanted to like pr- like do the music for this movie because like. I feel like he and Beyonce have this, like, image of being, like, really wealthy and really just, like, um, like, really just, like, glam, like, almost, like, untouchable glamour, especially Beyonce, you know, like, she's such a, she works so hard and she has, like, but, like, her image is that of just, like, someone who's just, like, on top of the world all the time and I feel like that really, um, I feel like she and Jay-Z, like, they can, like, they wanted to bring that to this movie. And I think, like, the, like you can sort of, I, well, I can see, like, how that fits in there. Um, but, so, and I, and I agree. I mean, I, I mean, that's one of the things I really like about Baz Luhrmann is his ability to, like, weave um, modern stuff into these, like, old, old time periods. Like, he does that with Moulin Rouge really well. I mean, I think Moulin Rouge is his best movie, and I think it's the most successful at this. Um, But even with, like, Romeo plus Juliet, when they make it, like, 90s setting, but, like, they're speaking in um, Elizabethan English, like, uh, it's like he, I think he, it's like, it's not just that he is, like, trying to make it fresh for an audience, but that he's, like, uh, he's, like, relating it to our, you know, um, to our society, I guess. Oh yeah, but yeah, I do like the soundtrack, but yeah. I like how the different spins, like the the different version they have of Crazy in Love. Yeah, yeah. And I have the different versions of um, Young and Beautiful from Lana Del Rey. My favorite one is like the or- the one with the orchestra in it. Yeah, and I noticed yeah. they have the jazz band playing it in the movie too, and like different little versions throughout. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, like, um, exactly, and Lana Del Rey is, I think she's so fascinating. I don't actually, I don't really listen to her that much, but, like, from what I know of her is that, like, she's very much, like, old Hollywood, like, she wants to have that sort of, like, melodrama, like, that's what her music is like, and, um, I mean, that, her voice, like, fits it perfectly, and I think, you know, having her do, like, the main song from this movie, uh, like, it just fits so well, Young and Beautiful, I think, is a beautiful song um and uh yeah it just yeah it, it really works for me uh do you do you listen to lana del rey uh not so much her like most recent stuff but yeah. like back in of course when this movie came out yeah i was yeah. all about it and yeah. but yeah she also has like also with fitting with this movie she had like that almost that fragile you know poor me woman like yeah, I'm married yeah. to a rich man yeah. <laughs> that was kind of like her vibe so that fits perfectly well with the theme of this movie too what kind of a row are you trying to cause in my house anyhow he isn't causing a row you're causing a row please have a little self-control self-control oh I suppose the latest thing is to sit back and let Mr. Nobody from nowhere make love to your wife well if that's the idea you can count me out See, nowadays, people begin by sneering at family life and family institutions. The next you'll know, we'll throw everything overboard and we'll have intermarriage between black and white. Your wife doesn't love you. She never loved you. You see, she loves me. You must be crazy. No, it's poor. No, you see, she never loved you. She only married you because I was poor and she was tired of waiting. It was a terrible, terrible mistake. But in her heart, 
In her heart, she never loved anyone but me. We should go. Stay. Let's all go home. Sit down, Daisy. Please. Please take a seat. Come on, Daisy. Daisy. What's been going on? I want to hear all about it. I just told you what's been going on. It's been going on for five years. You've been seeing him. For five years. No, no, not seeing. Not seeing we couldn't, but both of us loved each other all that time, didn't we? Oh, that's all. (laughs) You're crazy! I can't speak about what happened five years ago, because I didn't know Daisy then. And I'll be damned if I see how you got within a mile of her, unless you brought the groceries to the back door. But all the rest of that is a goddamn lie. Daisy loved me when she married me, and she loves me now. No. No, she I'm does. sorry, Mr. Buchanan. She does, no. though. Oh, no, no, she does, though. She does. And what's more, I love Daisy, too. Oh. I love you, Daisy. Now, once in a while, I, I go off on a spree. I always come back. And in my heart, I love I love her all the time. You're revolting. Do you know why we left Chicago? I'm surprised they didn't treat you to the story of that little spree. That's all over now, Daisy, darling. That's all over. Just tell him the truth. Go on. You never loved him, and, and this, this will all be wiped out forever. How could I love him? Possibly. I'll gladly tell him that you never loved him, and all this pain will be wiped out forever. Daisy. Daisy, tell him. I never loved him. Never. No. <gasps> Not a Capulani. Not that day I carried you down from a punch bowl to keep your shoes dry. Never. Please don't. Daisy. There, Jay. You want too much. I love you now, isn't that enough? I can't help what's past. I did love him once, but I loved you too. He loved me too. You love me. Even that is a lie. She didn't know that you were alive. There are things between Daisy and me, Gatsby, that you'll never know. Things that neither of us can ever forget. I just need to speak to Daisy alone. You see, you've got her all excited now, don't you, old spawn? Daisy? You went alone. I can't say I never loved Tom. It wouldn't be true. Of course it wouldn't. Does it matter to you? Of course it matters. See, I'm going to take better care of you from now on. You're not taking care of Daisy anymore. She's leaving you. Nonsense! I am, though! No, 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 no. She is not leaving me. Daisy, certainly not. Well, speaking of that, I wanted to, like, talk a little about Daisy. Because I I mean, I think Daisy is a fascinating character because, like, she's, um... Uh, she's... It's like she has that what was me thing, uh, but then she also makes really selfish, selfish decisions, and she's a little hard to read. Um, and, like... Yeah, so what do you th- like um what do you think about Daisy especially uh as played by Carrie Mulligan? I think Carrie Mulligan did a really good job playing her. Yeah. Like making her sympathetic at times. Um but I think like I think I'm glad that I'm a little bit older now watching this because when I was younger of course in high school it was like oh my god she sucks she's horrible. <laughs> yeah. But I think like watching it again like she's not that great. She's not that good of a person, but like I do, like um, 
she's in a tough situation because you have to think about the time period, like the 20s. So for a woman like her, it sounded like she was under a lot of social pressure to like marry up or be a certain way. So like, yeah, she sounds like she wanted to leave with Gatsby, but her family pressure. And like in this one, they show that her family is like threatening her or like yeah. pissed at her that she's con- even considering, you know, not marrying Tom anymore. And she's pretty much like forced, not forced, but like coerced into this marriage, even though um, Tom is a serial cheater. And then he's got a lot of money and status. So she's basically doing what she should do. But with Gatsby, I think, yeah, what she did was wrong, like in letting him take the fall for her accident. But at the same time, like he had like this like dream image, and I think which is almost unfair to her because he's like, you know, come with me, you know, almost like not really considering her feelings, like expecting her to drop her whole entire life and pretty much pick up and go with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah, I find this uh, this movie to be a lot like a little bit more empathetic to Daisy than I I I mean I haven't read the book in years, but um, I remember I had the same reaction you know in high school, and I, I remember like talking about Daisy in like high school English class about like how much she's so selfish and you know whatever um but i think that this movie is a little bit more empathetic to her and a little bit more um self-aware about gatsby as well like as you're saying this like he has his idealized image of her and he has like all these plans for her but doesn't really think to consider her position and um yeah i think the scene in the uh, hotel when he's telling tom like you know, your wife doesn't love you, she loves me. It's it's so telling that, like, Daisy hardly even speaks there, and um, she doesn't really confirm or deny it. She just kind of, like, they're just talking over her and talking for her, as if she's not even there. And um, I think this movie is a little bit more, um, yeah, like, self-aware about that dynamic and, like, how much Jay Gatsby is um, really projecting a lot onto her almost like sometimes I feel like he want he's in love with her only to prove that he can be like with someone of her stature and that like that would be his like ultimate like proof that like he made it and was able to like climb the social ladder <laughs> and like I think this movie paints that as like romantic but also a little like um I mean I don't want to use the word creepy because I think that's a little I don't I don't think it's creepy per se but a little like almost like more possessive than you know like uh, you know genuinely in love yeah i definitely agree with that and watching that because he seems like he has she's like she has to say um she doesn't love him when she's talking about tom and then he, yeah he said he, he has all these things and like yeah she's like the final hurdle to reach because he got the house like the yeah. fancy shirts and everything else he needed and he's just like she's the last thing and he said he can't have anybody else it has to be her but he yeah. can easily have anybody else though Leonardo DiCaprio like i he's such a he's such a frustrating figure for me because like i think he's such a talented actor like i really i mean a lot of his movies i love like Wolf of Wall Street Shutter Island Titanic of course Romeo plus Juliet like um you know, Catch Me If You Can, Gilbert Grape. Like, he's done so many great movies, but, like, um, I think sometimes he's always, like, trying to prove himself still, like, over and over again because of, like, his, um, 
And I read I read this really interesting article about like how much Leonardo DiCaprio just like keeps trying to prove himself because he became popular as like a teen heartthrob, you know, in the nineties. And I think that's really interesting, and I think that that's I think that's such an interesting. I think he's an interesting actor to play Jay Gatsby because of this. Like he always has that like um, underdog, like kind of like kicked puppy thing, where it's just like. I want to be this. I want to like have this position. I want to be in this place and, you know, possess everything and be, you know, king of the world to kind of connect it back to Titanic. Um, so I think it's, I think it's super fascinating. And, uh, I really, uh, I really do. Um, I think that this is one of having seen this movie a, a number of times. Uh, I think it's becoming one of my favorite of his performances. Uh, because I think it's just such a, um, I think he's such an interesting actor to to take this on and to, you know, play both the like mysterious, sexy, like rich guy that kind of hides in the shadows, but also this like desperate for approval, you know, uh, young guy, like young boy. Yeah, I really like this scene where he meets Daisy again for the first time. They yeah. kind of do a really good job of showing how awkward he is. Like when he runs out into the rain and he comes back and he's just like not sure what to do and like said acting like a like a little boy basically because yeah. he doesn't know what to do and it kind of I think yeah. that was cool to kind of show like a crack in the facade he's built up for right, himself. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And just like, um, yeah, that scene and also like the montage when, you know, he's finally with the, well, the young and beautiful montage, like for some reason, like the one scene that always sticks out to me is him throwing all of his shirts over the like balcony thing in his house, um, to Daisy. And, um, again, it's another thing of like showing off his possessions and his material wealth as, you know, some kind of expression of love or, you know, seduction, something like that. And it's funny that, you know, Nick is there as some, like, sexless, like, (laughs) chaperone. (laughs) Yeah, like... And I think Tobey Maguire is a really great, um, great role for that because, like... Uh, he he kind of has that like nerdy third wheel energy to him. <laughs> like it's like totally non threatening as a sexual like um, figure. Yeah, I think. But yeah. how do you feel about him? It's like almost like there's almost like was it like almost like gay undertones in there almost because like his yeah. looks of like, aberration sometimes like almost as if. I feel like there's more chemistry between him and Gatsby than him and Jordan. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah. He seems like he's like it's so in awe of him and so like and, like. Yeah, I mean, I, I I definitely remember having like I definitely remember reading articles about sort of like the gay subtext in this movie, both between like Nick and uh, Jay, but also uh, Jordan and and Daisy to an extent. Um, and uh, I, th- I think it's, you know, I think there's something to it uh, because definitely in this movie, I think they're playing to it because, um, yeah, like Tobey Maguire already has like kind of this like that like kind of wide eye grin thing. Like that's just how his face looks most times. So like having him like look at Leo DiCaprio, you know, in so many scenes, it's definitely you, you pick it up on there and his, I think, like totally... Um, I think he and Jordan are both like uninterested in seeing each other at all and uninterested in sex in any way. So um, I think that 
like um I think there's definitely some queer elements there be- between them and definitely I think this movie plays into like the homoerotic tension between Gatsby and, and Nick um and I yeah I definitely catch those like the, the looks and just I think not just looks but just like this general like fascination you know it's hard not to read that as homoerotic and especially nowadays because like I think in the 20s uh, I don't think that, like, I think it would, some kind of, like, homoerotic attraction would manifest as, like, um, some kind of fascination or, like, infatuation, perhaps. Um, so, I think when we were speaking offline, you were saying that you are, like, a fan of Baz Luhrmann. So, like, what's your, what's your history with him, like... How did you discover his movies and and um, like what are your other favorites? Um, I think like I didn't get to see uh, Moulin Rouge when it came out, but mm-hmm. I remember seeing like the signs for it and like wanting to see it. Like when I went to the theater like with my family, and then my grandma had like a tape of it. Yeah, yeah. Years later, and then I watched it like alone in my room when I was like like 10 or 11 and I like fell in love with that movie and I was like wow this movie is amazing yeah and like became obsessed with it ever since so I think that was the first movie I remember seeing from him and I think I did a couple years ago they had like I think like an anniversary screening of it at Mm. a local theater so I got to see it yeah yeah there's noise sorry um see it on the big screen um so that was really amazing to me and I like I don't know. I almost wish I would have talked about that movie instead because, like, yeah, that was like, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. So, and then I also love Romeo plus Juliet, um, another one with Leonardo DiCaprio. And I first saw that one in high school, like in ninth grade, because we were, of course, reading Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, yeah. And so she showed our teacher. She showed us, I think, the nineteen sixties version, and then she showed us the Rom the Romeo his version, Baz Luhrmann's version. And like nobody in my class seemed to like it except for me because they thought it was odd. It was weird because of course it's like more modern and it didn't make sense to them, but I loved it. I was like, oh my God, I love this movie. Yeah, I, I yeah definitely had a very similar um, similar experience with Roman plus Juliet watching that in high school because I remember like everyone was just like laughing at it. Um, uh, and like, I mean, this was, this must've been, I don't know, like, seventh or eighth grade when I read Roman and Juliet, you know, and we watched it and um, I remember everyone was just kind of laughing, being like, oh, it's so silly that they're like, you know, wearing modern 90s clothes, but speaking in like, what's essentially the foreign language, right? Um, but uh, I remember being like, guys, like, that's the style, like, it's meant to be that, <laughs> you know, like, me as like a budding, you know, movie person didn't even, you know, and I mean, I was, I mean, I was obsessed with that movie when I was little. Um, I mean, little meaning, like, yeah, probably, like, 8 to, like, 10, 11, I guess. Um, and, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, especially Claire Danes, like, the two of them, I was just, like, those were, like, my, like, idols at the time. And then Mulan Rouge comes along, and I was a little bit older when they came out. I don't think I saw that when they came out. I think I saw that, like, a few years later. And just being, like, totally overwhelmed by it and just, like, I mean, when you, it's such a, like, um, 
it's such a shock to the senses that movie because like it's just like it's like kind of go 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 and they're storing all this stuff and everything's like happening and there's so much like movement and color and dancing uh, and we can talk a little bit about Moulin Rouge because I think um, I think Great Gatsby and Moulin Rouge are really um, connected in a sense because I think they are I think he's I think Baz Luhrmann is trying to recapture some of that like anachronistic uh, period piece thing that he had with Moulin Rouge and um, but also make it a little bit more like a little bit more like coherent for people like if you're not really in the mood for Moulin Rouge you're not on this wavelength it's not going to work for you and I know a lot of people don't like that movie because it's so just like wild Uh, but uh, I mean I love I mean I love Baz Luhrmann's movies. I mean, even Australia, I remember liking that when I saw that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think like he is. Um, I think he is. I think it's really interesting the way he's always trying to bring the past into the present and into the modern era. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite part of Moulin Rouge? Just out of curiosity. Hmm. I love like the big scene where they do the play yeah when they first like introduce it when they start singing like diamond <laughs> yeah and they like like have all like this really complex like choreography yeah and, yeah like, you know, and you know cole kidman has like the big like diamond headpiece or like whatever like like jeweled headpiece and like they're all doing like the like i think that was my favorite scene and then of course the other big party scene like the can can yeah yeah um, yeah, I think for me, it's like, um, yeah, the, the, the big play at the end and also the, uh, scene where they're trying to like pitch the show and, um, you know, it's like, they're all in there. They're all in, uh, Nicole Kidman's like quarters. I think that's really funny. Um, but I definitely think that like the party scenes in Moulin Rouge are similar to Great Gatsby. You know, it's just a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of music, like a lot of, um, like big dancing and music everywhere and um what i like about baz Luhrmann is that he has so much stuff in like wide angle so you can see everything there's not a lot of like you know his editing isn't too like sometimes with like i mean great gatsby isn't a musical but like sometimes with musical numbers like there's a lot of editing to and almost hides the dancing hides the the production design hides the actors and the performers but i think with Grey Gatsby and Moulin Rouge, he does a really good job of like keeping everything in frame so we can appreciate the scope of it and the scale of it. Yeah, and I also noticed both movies, like one of my recent retros, they both start with like the depressed writer thing. Like, so each character in both movies, like they start off like, this is what happened, and it's yeah, kind of like, yeah. Sad and disheveled and like disillusioned and like, so this is what happened. <laughs> like yeah. they kind of both start off on that same foot and then it goes like back to the more hopeful, like exciting, like colorful past. Yeah, yeah, that's a really great uh, connection that I hadn't thought of. Um, yeah, I think it also. Um, I think there's also an element of like by having it be a, like, memory from a, like, a writer, then it sort of guides the audience into the more, like, fantastical elements of it. And I think it's, like, a little bit easier, I think, to swallow, like, all the, like, grandiosity of these, um, of these two, 
these two movies by having it be like you know somewhat like from the memory so things are a little bit more heightened than they might be i mean i i don't know i don't really have any trouble accepting when things are heightened but i know some i know there's some people audiences where they're like I mean, i've read so many reviews on uh, this movie where it's like how come they're listening to jay-z in the 1920s and i'm like it's just not that's just not the point of it <laughs> like um yeah um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Do you have any final thoughts on Grey Gatsby or Baz Luhrmann, Juan Rouge, anything? Mm-hmm. Or any other scenes you wanted to bring up or moments from the film? I, I don't know. There's so much to unlike because I watched it again recently, so it's yeah. been a while, but it's just like... I don't know. I really like how... I'm sorry, my brain is like fried today. <laughs> But yeah, I really like how they like tied up everything in the end and it kind of like, you know, try to like make it seem like, you know, this, like, I guess even though it ends depressing, they try to like say, you know, Gatsby was a beacon of hope, like the green light. Yeah, yeah. So that's something I like. They try to put like a happy, like a somewhat like happy spin on like a depressing situation. Yeah. And, and I guess the last thought is... Like earlier this year, they released *The Great Gatsby* into the public domain, so we probably will see other adaptations probably coming soon. Now that it's like a free for all now. Yeah, yeah. I think that'll be really interesting to see kind of what people do with this story um, now that it's in public domain. Um, oh, you mentioning the green light uh, reminds me of something. Uh, like, I remember this move, this book being like how I like learned about symbolism, you know, in high school English because I think the symbols and motifs in this movie are. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're like um, they're not they're not extremely subtle, you know, like they're pretty um, out there, and yeah, like um, the eyes and stuff, <laughs> yeah. The eyes and stuff, yeah. And um, and I think that's why this this book is taught like you know in almost every high school. I mean, I can't I can't say if it's still taught, but I remember like people I knew from other schools were reading this too, and it's a book that everyone kind of knows. And I think it's because of the you know symbolism in this movie in the book is really um, you know it's it's a good way it's a good introduction to that and all those images are so powerful. Like, for example, I used to live, when I was living in Boston a couple of years ago, I lived near this, um, uh, this, uh, ophthalmologist's office or like one of those, like, um, like glasses stores, like a lens crafters, but not, but not lens crafters. And, uh, their sign was this like, um, neon or not neon, but like, um, like a, like a lit, like a, like a lights that were in the shape of like glasses <laughs> and they were pretty big like like they were like almost like um they're pretty big and like pretty uh, like uh large on the windows and every time i passed by it i would think of great gatsby because of the eyes and the billboard and i'm like oh those i'd pass by and like oh those are the gatsby eyes <laughs> in that store you're being watched <laughs> store window yeah i'm like oh my god <laughs> but it just it goes to show the power of uh of this book and how like the symbolism and everything just sticks in your mind because it's so evocative um and uh i think this movie is uh i mean i don't re- i remember watching the 70s version in high school um but i don't really remember it i was looking at the cast and it has a pretty interesting cast uh but i uh i was gonna watch it 
in preparation for this, but I, I don't know. I remember not liking that one too much. Uh, but I don't know if you've seen it recently, if you have any thoughts on that one. Yeah, I haven't seen I should have looked at it, too, because I was like, should yeah. I watch it? Yeah. That's I, I just look at, like, the IMDb information, and I do remember seeing it. But, yeah, they yeah. had a pretty great cast, like uh, Mia Farrow, you have Robert Redford. Karen Black. Stern. Yeah, Bruce Stern, yeah. Uh, but from what I read of like the comments around the movie is that the cast is not used well. So, <laughs> and it's also just as long as um, the 2013 one. But yeah, unless you have anything else you wanted to mention about the film, I mean, thank you so much for for suggesting. It was a pleasure to watch it again. Oh yeah, I'm glad, <laughs> and I enjoyed watching. I think yeah, I don't have any more to say. Anything? Yeah, that I can think of. Uh, one thing I will say is that um, I own the uh, the 4K ultra high def disc of this movie, and um, I remember buying it just like on a whim. And uh, like this movie, I watched it like I think I watched it once in theaters and then once after, and then I didn't really like. It's not a movie that I like, would ever think to buy and watch, but I just bought it on a whim because I'm like, it must look great on this platform, and. It does. So, you know, listeners, if you are looking for, like, a good reference disc for a 4K television, Great Gatsby is the way to go. It looks beautiful. The sound is, like, so crisp. Um, so I don't know what your setup is, but I do recommend the disc. If uh, I actually have a projector screen. Oh, so well, okay, you win on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Adriana, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you online, and what are you working on these days? All right, so you can find me online on Twitter at uh, Right Intentions. Um, I yeah, and I have my website, um, thecinemasoloist.org. And then yeah, I think that's mean. I kind of I have an Instagram at Adriana Gomez Weston, but I um, I'm not on there as much. Yeah. But um, I am on Twitter a lot, so <laughs> that's where you can find me. And so right now, like, I just finished my second semester of my master's in clinical psychology, so I've unfortunately had to put a little bit of my film reviewing to the side a little bit, but I'm hoping to pick that up some more and do more reviews. And then I also work on the scripts, too, so I'm working on a little project here and there. So, awesome. yeah, check out my website, and I'm going to yeah. try like, Letterboxd and my Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> more recently now. So. Yeah. Well, that sounds amazing, and um, congratulations on finishing your semester in grad school. I, mean, <laughs> I imagine it's very challenging, and uh, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Good luck in the future. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Manish89. That's T H E M A N I S H eight nine. Also, please follow the podcast at It's Hard to Be You, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Adriana, I cannot thank you enough. Please. Um, um, I'm so, so glad that uh, you came on the show. And uh, again, this movie is amazing. I really enjoyed watching it. So it was uh, fun to revisit and talk about with you. Thank you for having me. And listeners, thanks for listening and have a great day. Bye.